0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. You're joined by me, Kirk, and my guest from TheRinger.com, Wazzy Lambre. Big Waz, as he is known to lots and lots of people. How are you today, Waz? I'm fantastic, man. Happy to be
1: on with you, Kirk.
0: Well, if you don't know Waz, you should. I have been listening to him in some way, shape, or form for like six years now. I first heard him on the True Hoop podcast network. Then he transitioned over to The Athletic. And now he is at the ringer where I'm going through the feed here. He is on every possible <laughs> um from like group chat with my old boss Rob Mahoney to weekends with Waz, which is probably low-key. I've I've told you this, it's like my favorite favorite Thank podcast you, on that feed. He was on with Bill Simmons, where he manages to keep Bill Simmons in check. Is there nothing that you can't do?
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: I I don't think so but you're the hardest you know, working man at the ringer and I think they deserve you deserve a raise uh, point.
1: well I would agree with you on that <laughs> part 100% <laughs> I'll never disagree with the idea that I should be making more money that's for sure well speaking <laughs> thank of you, making thank money, you for the con words Kirk because we've been oh, absolutely. friends for years now um, that- and you're always one of my favorite follows for sure
0: I am certainly a lunatic online. That is the thing that is true. So speaking of of making money, this series that we have been watching between the, the Jazz and the Mavericks have, have has had some money-making moments, particularly yeah. for one Jalen Brunson. But you know, before this series started, did you have any real thoughts on it or was it just like the NBA TV series that we were all hoping we didn't have to talk about Rudy Gobert?
1: No, because I've had a twisted, sick fascination with the Utah Jazz going back to... The Gordon Hayward, Rodney Hood, um, what do we do with our two bigs, Enos Cantor and Derek Favors. Like, I've been fascinated by Utah since those days. So this season was no different. And just the sniping between Rudy and Donovan in the media and just the implosion last year. I had a keen eye on this series just as a Utah Jazz watcher. So I I was going to be paying attention no matter what.
0: Yeah, and, and we all entered the offseason as Mavs fans kind of,
1: I wouldn't say brokenhearted,
0: but just very irritated because no one wanted to say this out loud because everyone gives Jason kids his flowers constantly. Luka had no business being in the game when he was hurt and it was stupid. And the fact that it hasn't come to bite them in the ass is kind of nothing short of a miracle, but also sort of exposes just how bizarre Utah yeah. actually is. Mm-hmm. Um Donovan Mitchell is is could teach a master class in deflection because he's he says all these like he looks you right in the eye and he tells you the thing that's happening is our fault, not <laughs> his fault. He, he's the living embodiment of the of the Uncle Phil meme where he's like, "We, we," <laughs> yeah. you know, just on repeat. And and it's been really, you know, I didn't think I disliked the Jazz that much until I've had to play the, the Mavericks have played them nine times since Christmas. Wow. And that's too many, like that's like ABA type stuff, which is too many games where the, and these teams have a healthy disdain for one another. And I, I'm really surprised that they uh, tied it to two. Now with, with Luka Doncic back, is it safe? Like would Luka have kind of changed the series to where it would have been a clean sweep or am I just being arrogant?
1: I don't think that's arrogance at all when you've watched the actual games. I think his first game back, he was a little bit more tentative than where you certainly used to seeing Luka Doncic be. And they dominated the Jazz for the most part. Like there's no two ways about it. Like the Jazz were lucky to get out of that game four with their lives. And the rest of the series has basically been domination on the part of the Dallas Mavericks specifically on offense. And without Luka Doncic, who everybody understands is one of the best offensive players in the league. This is empirically true. You can watch the games and it looks true. He's one of the best offensive players in the game. And yet without him, they're slicing and dicing the Utah Jazz as if they're some CYO team, as if they're Sacred Heart, as my um high school coach would say. It, it's it's Little so- sisters of the poor, excuse me. That's what he would use. Little well, and, Sisters of the Poor, which is a mental institution <laughs> in New York, by the way, just so you guys know. This, in and, and, and Mavs fans primarily, like our, our, our Mavs Moneyball group chat
0: and Slack is constantly whining. They're like, oh, well, we're talking about what the Jazz aren't doing as opposed to what the Mavericks are doing. Well, I mean, the Mavericks are just sort of hitting shots yeah. and playing a style of defense which I I still don't understand because... Dwight Powell was a, he was a turnstile for four years and now they're able to play him actual minutes. And it, that may be more because Rudy Gobert is a fraud of a role, man, as opposed it, it's, it's so confusing because with, yeah. with what's happening right now, I, I'm, I'm, high on my own, I'm, I'm kind of high on my own supply because last night was a really ridiculous victory over the jazz. And I, I see a path for the Western conference finals, which is crazy to yeah. say out loud
1: yeah no uh I, I I completely agree with you and I think the reason why you know it's been hard to just give the Mavs their due credit because look is and I have a soft spot for Jalen Brunson because mm. his father Rick Brunson is a New York Knicks legend and even as somebody who's not a Knicks fan I always I always just liked Rick Brunson as a like a blue collar sort of hard-nosed guy played at Temple all of that good stuff um And so as much as I love Jalen Brunson, give me a break, fam. Like, the idea that there's not a person in the world who can stay in front of him is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, like, just watching him turn the Jazz defense into paper mache, I'm sorry. I have to acknowledge, like, this doesn't seem right. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, even if you are the most, even if you're Jalen Brunson's mom. You don't think that it's normal that he would be doing this to set NBA playoff defenses, right? So I think that's the first reason as to why people are having a hard time accepting this. Um, At the same time, they've had an incredible game plan defensively um, for a team that everybody understood was a limited defensive group. Um, And the Jazz were known for scoring. Like, they used to be known for this hard-nosed defensive team, Rudy Gobert. Defensive Player of the Year, all of that good stuff. But in recent years, they've been known as a score first team. Um, and to just straight up just shut them down and what they want to do. I think they deserve credit for that on the defensive end, to be sure.
0: It's it's really something because I was a Jason Kidd skeptic, and what was local. I? Uh, I think I think anybody that was not you know a Mark Cuban you know fan fan guy was not. You know, there's just a lot of copy on Jason Kidd doing some kind of crazy stuff. Yep. And it's been buried because he was out of the league for a year, mm-hmm. which I think gets left behind. But he's really shown himself to be remarkably collaborative. Like, I I, I mentioned wow. this to Mark Stein last night. I know all the assistant coaches' names. That's not a thing I'm used wow. to because they kind of cycle around. Like, you know who God Sham God is because he's off course. Cool. He's yeah, He's been around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other players, it's like, oh, okay. well, I know Sean Sweeney is the the little redheaded guy that my wife had to explain to me why we can't see his eyebrows because he has red hair. And it's it's just so odd that all of this has has worked out just so. And at the same time, I also have this sense of dread because if the Mavericks have to play the Suns, if they win game six or game seven, they have to play the Suns and, you know, uh, Bridges could blot out the sun with like Luca and with Brunson because the jazz are so bad on the perimeter that I don't know. It, this is this also, I guess what I'm sort of asking is do you think this is smoking mirrors or is this r- more real than I'm willing to give it credit for?
1: No, I don't think it's smoke and mirrors. And um, another thing is uh, don't take it for granted that you're going to play the suns. I don't want to be hot takey guy over here, but I, you know, essentially since game one, where they're coming off of two straight playoff games and then barely any rest to go into game one. New Orleans has been just as good as the Suns have in this series. Um, You know, just want to say that. Uh, and as far as the Jason Kidd part of it, I think we have a hard time seeing coaches as people that can get better at what they do. Sure. And I think that's – Jason's kid has improved as a coach. We never – Think of coaches as guys like, you know, young guys get better. New coaches can get better as time goes on. I look at somebody like Monty Williams, for instance, in his New Orleans stop. He was not lighting the world on fire in any way. And that's not like X's and O's. I think the guys liked him, but he didn't seem like this incredible game manager, uh, you know, X's and O's guy, whatever. And now he's all of that and more in uh, in Phoenix, right? And so... You know, I think of Eric Spolstra from his first year with Miami, where LeBron's giving him the shoulder bump to now, you know, where everybody universally understands him to be one of the five best coaches in the sure. NBA.
0: He'd go to the Hall of Fame now. Period. He's so good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you've seen coaches improve with time, and I think that you that can be said about Jason Kidd. Uh as far as is it fluky? I don't think it's I think yeah, the jazz. the Suns perimeter defensive depth is like light years ahead of you. Uh, Like in a way that is just like insane. Royce O'Neal and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, they're they're comically bad perimeter defenders, right? Where you're just like Daniel House is your best by far person option at that, you know, at that position. Uh, However, you know, I think Luca obviously is a special one-on-one player. And I think Jalen Brunson and uh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, specifically are way above average on the ball creators um, and initiators, right? I look at a team that you can contrast, say Memphis, who has mm-hmm. a dynamo like Ja on the perimeter. I don't think Desmond Bain and uh, Melton and Dylan Brooks are on the level of offensive initiators and creators on the ball that Brunson and Dinwiddie are. So that being like, as, as you know, I know Utah's just a horrible counterpart to what the Suns present as a problem, but I do think the, the personnel of the Dallas Mavericks is such that you can trust that they're going to be pretty damn formidable on offense even going forward, even against elevated competition.
0: Part of it is like, I'm pretty sure the last time the Mavericks beat the Suns was when Dirk dropped 50 points on Tim Thomas in 2011. Like they're just a team that has the number of the Mavericks gotcha. and uh, they, they 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 scare me. Well, all right. So one of the other things I want to talk about was sort of the, the Luka Doncic of it all, because I've heard you on years. And one of my favorite things that you've come around on is is Nikola Jokic as a player. And I think yeah. just last week you talked about how you know several years ago you're just like, okay, neat, he throws a backdoor cut. Congratulations. But <laughs> right. he, he's he, as over time, he's he really has in as he's gotten in shape, he's improved, he's just that good. Yeah. Um Luca is a divisive player, to where I am curious as to what your thoughts are on, on him, as well as what the league's thoughts are on him, because you know, um he just draw like people hate him who hate him it's it's amazing he's like shot he gives me Shawn michaels vibes from back in the day
1: <laughs> well uh it won't surprise you i was hbk was my favorite wrestler Ooh. when i was growing up easily easily the heartbreak kid just the <laughs> Kiss the bicep, had a super kick. I remember when he, you know, when he did the turncoat against Marty Janetti, kicked him through the freaking uh, window. Like, I, I remember all of that. Love HBK, so it wouldn't surprise you that. I'm a Luka guy because, look, I keep saying this about the Clippers, man. Um, I remember I was at NBA Summer League when they got Kawhi and Paul George, and everybody basically agreed. The Lakers have egg on their face. Because uh, they didn't get Kawhi. The Clippers are gonna be amazing in perpetuity, and their geniuses and championships are gonna befall them, and it's gonna be incredible, and all of that shit, right? And you know, this idea that Paul George and Kawhi, the greatest def the perimeter defense combo of all times. I'm sorry, I watched Luca take a Ginsu blade to those cats. Yes, there was moments, <laughs> there was moments where. You know, he wore down and Kawhi did have some great possessions against him one-on-one. But if you take the collective body of work, of his work against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, universally accepted and respected, perimeter, rangy, long limb defenders, athletic, lateral quickness, all of that, Luka Doncic played incredible against them in the most important games of his career in the most high leverage of situations possession by possession i don't this is not a debate for me like this is not even something i'll go back and forth with people against you know i remember when before last year when people had a problem with devin booker and i was a booker guy and I, but i could understand the skepticism Right. Because mm-hmm. there's just no body of work in games that actually mattered against set NBA defenses of elite caliber. Uh, this is you can't say this about Luke. I'm sorry. And part of me feels sympathetic to it because when a bunch of dorky white guys in the media talk about a white a white player and how great he is, a lot of people's antenna go up. Mm. Right. And and And, and, I, think, and I understand it. I understand the skepticism, but there's just no data that would support an argument against Luca not being the best at what he does. The like you like, I don't know how you can like. I would love to hear this argument that he hasn't been, when faced with playoff level competition that he hasn't shown he's one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. I I I I I haven't seen it. Somebody show me the empirical data that exists that isn't just. Oh, he's white. Oh, the media, who is generally mostly white, is propping him up. Oh, he's the next Adam Morrison. It's like, come on.
0: So, through fifteen playoff games, thirteen of which came against Kawhi and Paul George, he has averaged thirty-three points, nine point one rebounds, eight point eight assists, while shooting fifty and forty. What from, are we? To- and-
1: what are we doing here, Kirk? Like, well, bro, this this isn't a convo. <laughs> but, but
0: I, I guess what I'm wondering, and, and this has been a conversation, like. Us and Mavsland are kind of notoriously sensitive because Dirk Nowitzki quite reasonably, you know, do you remember when um, God, Pacers, uh, uh, David West, mm-hmm. put his hands on Dirk's face and pushed him away? It was like 2008. There's a great true hoop story on mm-hmm. it. I still go find it every now and again. Like Dirk was largely thought of as a bit of a wuss and yeah. it was earned. Um, he, tough guy, but different kind of toughness as we've found yeah. it over time. I understood why players never were really interested in wanting to play with Dirk. Um, I think everybody likes Dirk. it's like universally good, you know, good dude, but kind of a killer. Whereas Luka, like we have a asshole. Luca is a real thing, like kills me because he's so arrogant. And it, he did a shoulder shimmy last night after scoring on Boyan Bogdanovich. And it's like, okay
1: but you that's know. his boy. So I get
0: it. <laughs> oh, great. But, but is there like, so one of the things we've been, uh, we we sort of debate is like, because Luca and some of these other NBA players don't grow up with the AAU circuit and the friendships. Like I love seeing the stuff uh, today about um, Kevin Durant and Tatum going way back. Do you think that that results in any more of a challenge with team building when it comes to like, like attracting players to play around him? Or is it because Luca is a 40% usage guy?
1: I would think the forty percent usage guy um, is is going to be more of a deterrent than that he's not an AAU guy because at the end of the, at yeah at the end of the day, as so long as he achieves success people are going to want to play with him. Steph Curry wasn't an AAU guy. That's true. And guess what? Uh, Kevin Durant was like, God damn. He's <laughs> like, look at what these fools are. I will
0: ruin my legacy to come play with you.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it, so long as you have sustained success and the thing again, but Steph married that success with a version of basketball that Kevin Durant was like, Holy smokes. I want to participate in that. That seems like egalitarian. It's more fun. It's free-flowing rather than what me and Russ were doing in OKC, which is the antithesis of that, which, of course, because Kevin Durant is like every other NBA player, millennial, he (laughs) changed his freaking mind and was like, I actually want to go back to ball dominance and, you know, superstar ball. Uh, I, I I don't buy the idea that people don't want to play with Luka. Uh, because he's not connected in the AU uh, sense. I think he's just, he's got to achieve success. Um, he plays hard. he He's great, legitimately. And I think people want to be around that. Um, and even if it's not the you know, the, the, say, I don't know, Donovan Mitchells of the world or Bradley Bill. Cause like, who are we really talking about that would potentially come, you know, I see a guy like a big, like Rudy Gobert, who, you know, he's from France and all of that. But Tim McMahon reported, he was like, look, I got it on good authority. Rudy Gobert would be obsessed with playing with Luka cause he passes people the freaking ball. Like Mm. he's an elite passer. He's, you know, it's basically LeBron. Jokic, Harden, and Luka. like, and there's nobody's even close to that, right? Uh, when you combine the vision with the size, so I think he just has to have success, and people will want to play with him, and and you know, and and at this point, we're not even doing free agency anymore. No, we're doing the freaking. You got to trade for him. So at a certain point, guys got a tr- man's got to trade for guys, and Luca just makes it happen and makes it work, and you know, team success.
0: Yeah, and I, I think. One of the things we've learned as Mavs fans the last year plus is, is we had been indoctrinated and even me, I mean, I had Mark Cuban come on this podcast. He asked to come on because he got tired of me kicking the shit out of him. And then I kind of, I kind of backed off because it's like who like I, you know, I I didn't go at the billionaire directly, but (laughs) we we had been kind of criticizing them and him and Donnie for years because they just didn't do a good enough job. And now the Mavericks have a front office that is a little more connected. You know, Jason kidd, Mm. Even before this run of success, there were guys who wanted him. You know, the, um, I, I think that that's, that's going to be a big reason that Dame ends up asking out of Portland at some point because mm-hmm. he didn't get his first choice, mm-hmm. and and it's just that's interesting to me with the team building moving forward. But I didn't want to. I I I, oh, I told you twenty minutes. I've already t- taken twenty minutes. I, I have a couple of quick questions, yeah, and then go I ahead, will. Man. Don't worry oh, about it. Don't trip. Have you well. seen Lucas shoes? The news. Yes. What are your thoughts? Because um,
1: my first I, thoughts were. Ee. I actually like them, but that's because okay. that's because I generally have a low opinion of what Jordan Brand has done with their non-Jordan athletes. Okay. And so, like, if you look at what they've done with Blake Griffin, with Carmelo, with Chris Paul, like, it's been pretty bad. Even Westbrook, who, again, is a cultural, pop cultural figure, specifically in this lane. Mm -hmm. in clothing fashion and they've not been able to capitalize right like if you go out like Kanye had this great like rant in an interview where he's like look I like some of the music that Gaga put out and you know I think she's a talented artist but you know Polaroid goes out and signs her as the creative director of Polaroid he says I like Gaga. What the fuck does she know about cameras, right? But like, sometimes you can get somebody famous for something or it's relevant in a field and it doesn't matter that you stick their name on it. I think the biggest indictment of Jordan Brand is like a guy like Russell Westbrook, who met his clothing line routinely sells out. Like this dude is in GQ, he's in Vogue, he's front row at Fashion Week. He's relevant in those circles and they have not been able to launch a successful shoe. Of his, to me, that's the, one of the greatest indictments of what they do with their athletes. The Zion shoe was horrible. I think we all agree with that. And so I looked at the Luke. I was like, "This is kind of the best shit they've put out, honestly, mm. for um, their non-Jordan signature athletes." Okay. So I'm, I'm actually, and again, maybe this is damning with faint praise, or you know, the soft bigotry of low expectations, or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm at with the shoe. I I actually like it.
0: I've because I'm a hack and I just uh, you know it's like a bright shiny object I have bought a couple pairs of the lat like the the PEs for the last uh few like Luca related Jordans and they're just boats I don't yeah. understand like he played in them like I th- that's a, like the shoe playing thing now that I'm older and I I realize I never did have a vertical jump just always played in heavy shoes when I when I see these dudes play in heavy shoes it's like like uh, which one? The Morris Brothers play. One of them plays in foams. And I'm like, yeah, how that, are you that, playing
1: in insane. bricks? That's that's a that's a that's a sort of <laughs> that's a fashion statement thing. But I think what what gets underrated too, and shouts to my man Nate Jones and Dame Lillard, what they're doing with those moving soles. They get like they're not wearing those flat ass insoles that we're playing in when we just buy the shoe. Okay. And just keep it. they're. Adding tech to the sneaker afterwards that makes it more viable for them to do their job as professional athletes. If a, if anybody listens has ever put their foot in a phone closet, it is one of the most uncomfortable sneakers in the history of sneakers. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think NBA guys are they're modifying those sneakers. And you can get Nike when you're an athlete to put, you know, depending on your stature, to put customizations. In certain models, you know, depending on your foot and its size and all of that. Same with Adidas and all of them. So, I think that's why they're able to do the stuff with those sneakers. Um, and the reason why is because their version isn't the same that's sold in foot action.
0: Okay. That, I think I knew that, but I didn't know it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um And that... Just because, like, I fell deep into shoe culture about six or seven years ago, and now because I I work from home, I have nowhere to wear any of this stuff. So like, right. like I'm, I'm a thirty I'm a thirty seven year old man with a bright neon red pair of like Jordan 34s. i s. I'm like, what am I? Do? Why? And then I'll buy the next one. I'll absolutely buy this pair. Like, I'm just a hack. It's 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 a it, real problem.
1: It's, it's okay. We've all been indoctrinated into consumerism and just buying shit that we don't need. I can't stop. I know I know it's bullshit, and I still can't stop (laughs) yeah yeah well this has been
0: absolutely fantastic and just what i'd hope Because i think i've been bothering over the last two days i've gotten two people to come on shows that i've been kind of low-key pestering mark stein yesterday and you today so this is exciting for me thank you so much for your time do you have anything that you would like to to plug before you get out of here
1: um, I would just tell people to check us out on the Ringer NBA uh, podcast. Uh, me, Justin, Varia, Rob Mahoney for group chats on Wednesday, and then on the weekends I do a show where I just interview various friends of mine across the NBA media.
0: The Adam uh, Morris and- show about the Nuggets. Like Adam is one of I've Adam's one of my very good friends, and that was like he's just he's so passionate about Jokic. <laughs> I love like, it. He's like,
1: I love it though. It's great. Yeah. You it was know, a great pod. Right? And, and I feel like that's what people want to hear. Is because to me, the people that are most passionate about what they're doing have a greater, deeper understanding about what it is that they're passionate about and can explain things to mm-hmm. people in a way that somebody who's dispassionate, I really truly believe can't do it. Oh, so. I got
0: off the pod and went and looked up different Jokic positionings because you're like, Oh, yeah, they run Jokic off an Iverson cut. And I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> holy cow They've like what like that's just like that sort of stuff i just love it anyways so yeah. thank you so much for for using part of your uh well, i guess it's tuesday um yeah and i will try to have you back one day in the future yes sir no problem All right, guys brother. this has been uh kirk your enthusiasm with uh wasney lambray and there's tons of shows on my feed go download and listen to them because uh help me make this a record-breaking month and i will talk to you guys after game six uh when the mavericks hopefully defeat the jazz